0: Welcome to Crossbridge. It's great to have you home. It's great to be here with you. If you're a guest with us, I especially want to welcome you and just say thank you so much for joining us. And, and my hope for you is the same as my hope is for every single person who's joining us here in person or if you're joining us online, welcome. My hope for you is that no matter where you find yourself in your faith today, that you would be able to take one step towards Jesus because that's what we are all about. Today we start a new series called SWAT, Spiritual Warfare and Tactics, and I'm really excited about this series. This is, was actually done by Liquid Church up in North Jersey, and they were working with Gloucester County Community Church down here in South Jersey, and so you know, I'm really appreciative they kind of helped us through a lot of this stuff and uh, bar, let us borrow this amazing suit of armor. How cool is that? Um, this is going to be fun to kind of play with and hopefully not knock over, so it'll be good. It'll be good. But as we talk about spiritual warfare, just a quick show of hands, real quick. And if you're online with us, I would love for you to get your hand raise emoji ready because you're going to need it a little bit here as we walk through our stuff today. So, quick show of hands how many of you have ever heard the phrase spiritual warfare before? Spiritual warfare. Okay, some of you, others of you, you're kind of like, what, what is this? Um, you know, I don't know what kind of ideas this conjures in your mind when we use the phrase spiritual warfare. Some people, they begin to think of like demons, darkness, other people go the Hollywood movie route and heads are spinning, dolls are talking and, you know, it just gets really kind of crazy, it's violent and uh, let me tell you as we walk into this series together, almost like a disclaimer. Um, This series will be intense. I know that because we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare. So there we are. But while it is intense, the design and the hope is that it's not going to be spooky. Our goal is not to over sensationalize um, spiritual warfare and and all of this. But the types of images that we have in our mind, um, I think for many followers of Jesus, If they're not put into a healthy biblical context, this is the reason we don't really want to talk about things like spiritual warfare, because there is some uncertainty to it. There is some nervousness to it. We don't know what to expect. So my hope for you and for me as we walk through this series together is that you will see that spiritual warfare is a part of every day of our life. Every day we are in battle, but I do want to tell you this, take hope because We do not go into battle alone or unarmed. This series that we're going to be walking through is grounded in Ephesians chapter 6. If you have have your Bibles with you, I'd love for you to turn to the letter to the church in Ephesus. Chapter 6 is where we're going to be for almost all of today. And this passage is one of the most important passages in the Bible that describes the armor of God, which is, you're looking at this probably wondering, like, cool, Jim, look at the giant suit of armor next to you i thought we were in a school not at the renaissance festival going on right now right and if you want to go to the renaissance festival no you can't borrow it okay i'm gonna wear it later uh <laughs> what this is this is um, a, a hand forged replica of a first century roman soldier when you think of a first century roman shoulder soldier this is what every one of them would be wearing and it's, it's amazing because the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the church in Ephesus, he has this suit in mind as he writes. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm just going to read you verses 10 to 13, where it says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the... If it's in italics here, would you read that with me? Put on the full armor of God, so that you could take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. This right here is Paul's battle cry to the church in Ephesus, and I believe to all Christians. He's saying, church, I need you to wake up to the reality right now that all day, every day, an invisible war is raging all around you. You may not see it in the physical world, but... It's very, very real in the spiritual realm. All day, every day, a cunning enemy is waiting. He's prowling and he is seeking to wreak havoc on everything that matters to you on your mind, your emotions, your family, your kids, your marriage, your faith, your friends, your future. He's waiting and trying to figure out how to divide and conquer. I don't want to freak you out, but listen. As you go to work, as you hang out with friends, as you walk the hallways of your school, as you're driving in the car, whether you see it or not, there is an invisible battle that is happening all around us that's being waged in the heavenly places. And this battle is between Jesus Christ and and this heavenly army. And it's versus the devil, these forces of evil and these principalities of darkness, and they are waging war over one thing, your soul and my soul. You see, Jesus declares in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says this about the devil, that that he is like a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy our faith, our families, and everything that's precious to us. And and listen, I know you're probably sitting here thinking like, Jimmy, you're reading to me a letter written by a guy, uh, you know, 2,000 years ago. Really? You're talking to me about Jesus, um, you know, from 2,000 years ago and things he said. This is like they didn't have the language that we have today for when you struggle they they didn't have the issues that we have then so they just over spiritualized things and made it what it is and you know what that that's that's not really true we could describe it better now i want to tell you that this couldn't be further from the truth and what that is when we look at the past and oversimplify what that it's called hindsight bias It's called hindsight bias, being able to look back and say, oh, well, I'm glad that we know better now. We never would have done those things. We do better now, because we've totally learned from history, haven't we? Yeah, right? Looking back at anything in history with a sense that we know better, hindsight bias. And while this is true in some areas of history, absolutely, this is true. I think... When it comes to our understanding for us today, right here in, in South Jersey or wherever you are online, in 2021, our understanding of the spiritual world is nothing like the understanding of Jesus and the Apostle Paul at this time. And they were trying to wake the believers of that time up to the reality that the Christian life is not a playground. The Christian life is a battleground. Let me just say that again, because the Christian life is not a playground. It is a battleground. And if we call ourselves Christians, and when I say Christians, I simply mean someone who is apprenticing under Jesus, who believes that he was the son of God, who has been, believes that he lived a perfect life, died, and rose again to conquer death. When we place our trust in Jesus and our goal is to live, love, and look like him, what you need to know is that you become a person in the crosshairs of the enemy. And this ancient enemy is out to distort, to lie, to tempt and to destroy us at all costs. And you might be looking and saying that seems so extreme, Jimmy. Like are you what are you talking about? Look at look at the world around us right now. How many people died in a suicide bombing this weekend? whether they trust in a God that you trust in or not, and every life is important, and yet they lie dead. Terrorism, wars, sexual abuse, scandals, racism. These things haven't changed, and we've been working on them. Why haven't they changed? Who do you think is behind that? Come on. Think about your life personally right now. You know people whose marriages and their families are under attack like never before, whose children and teenagers are being led down a path of temptation that's so far from their faith. According to Ephesians 6, the Christian life is not a playground. It's what? It's a battleground. And don't freak out about this because I have great news for you, and that is we do not go into battle alone or unarmed. We get both of these things, and I will tell you now, the enemy, when he comes at us, the enemy, he will always fail when he meets a man or a woman who is armed and dangerous in their battalion. When they've got their coverage and they've got their weapons, he cannot win because he's already lost. So my question for you, for me today, for our church, is how do you defend yourself? If we know this is coming, how do you defend yourself? How do you fight back? Well, Paul gives us the answer to that. Check out verse 11. He says to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against what? The devil schemes. You know, how many of you have heard that term, armor of God, right? We put on the armor of God. If you've been um, part of a faith community or a church, you've likely heard this. Well, put on the armor of God, put on the armor of God. You know, when Paul's writing this letter to this church in Ephesus, it's really uh, important to know he's under house arrest at the time uh, in Rome. And house arrest simply is, he's sitting on the ground or somewhere in his home, apartment, whatever he's got there, it's flat, and he's writing out this letter. As he's writing, there's a Roman guard who is at the door so that Paul cannot leave. He cannot come and go at his leisure. And so I imagine as he's writing this and he's like, you know, get ready. The battle's going to be big. Get ready to fight and make sure. And he looks up and hears is a man standing in armor. And this is what he's looking at as he's describing to this church, get ready to fight. And when you get ready to fight, let me give you a picture that you're probably already familiar with. And from verses 14 to 17, Paul specifically outlines each piece of armor for us. This is what's in our arsenal as followers of Jesus. Let's read Paul's list of armor, of weapons together. It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. You know what? Can we stand together as we read? I feel like it might be a little better. You might get a little louder for me that way, all right? So almost as loud as we were praising God, let's read his scripture that way. If it's in italics, nice and bold, will you? Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. You can grab a seat. Crossbridge, these are the six pieces of the armor of God. And every single one of these are available to everyone who has placed their trust in Jesus. And what's cool is some of them are defensive weapons. When we have our shield, our shield is a defensive weapon, weapon against what? The enemy. When he shoots these flaming arrows at us, we have some defense, but also we've got what? We've got some offense. And God says, this is the sword of the spirit. Your sword is the word of God. The very truth that we base all of our lives on. This is what we use to fight back when temptation comes. And let me tell you, it will. For the next six weeks, what we hope to do is to teach you to use every single piece of this armor, to use every single weapon that God has given to us in every day of our life, not just when the battle gets hard. So we're going to go piece by piece each week to look at these together. Um, What do you do when you're at home? At work, when the battle's at school or your office, in those moments that you feel under attack and temptation comes, when the enemy starts to come at you with critical thoughts about who you are with fear, with insecurity, with anxiety, with these high-pressure situations, what are we supposed to do? We put on the full armor of God. And this series is called Spiritual Warfare and what? What's that last word? Tactics tactics. This, this means training. It means having some strategies, some techniques, if you will, on how to wield each one of these weapons for one sole purpose, and that is victory in Christ. And we all want victory, don't we? Come on, who's looking for a victory this fall? I, 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 please, if you're not here and you're not looking for victory, can you teach me how you live victorious? Or it's time to wake up that there's a battle going on around you. And if we're not intentional about it, we lose. The enemy has this way of coming in because we need victory this fall. And we need victory in our marriages more than ever right now. We need victory with the battles that we have in our homes with our kids. We need victory over that daily temptation. you know that thing? That thing you don't want to tell anybody about that's been kicking your butt for months now. And you're thinking... I'll just work a little harder, and I'll kick it. I'll get through this on my own. I know that I can do this, and we wake up every day and do what? We fail at that. We lose. Maybe you need that, work, that victory at work in your business, in your finances right now, where you, you're in a hole that you cannot dig out of. What are we supposed to do to get this victory is we put on the full armor of God. Today, I will not walk through any piece of this armor because next week we're going to start with the belt of truth, which is just going to be so much fun. But what we do today is to look and to make sure that we're all on the same page to understand that spiritual warfare is happening, that, that right now, whether you like it or not, we're going to war. And I know some of you are probably thinking, um... Jimmy, I I don't know the first thing about warfare. You know, um, I don't do that stuff. I don't think about those things. Yeah, I'm a financial planner. I'm an artist. I'm I work in an office. I am not a warrior. I'm a student. I'm I'm a school teacher. I'm not a soldier. Well, maybe at school it feels like a battle there. I don't know. Listen, it kind of reminds me of a um, a scene from. I'm going to dork out on you for a second, so you're just going to have to bear with me. Any Lord of the Rings fans out there? Okay, yes. Thank you, Ben. I knew I'd get some hands. Thank you. Yes, I see that hand. I like how you're more excited about Lord of the Rings than reading Scripture together. Guys, it's time to reverse some of this, okay? Um, But we'll go with it for now. In um, the second movie, I'll go with the movies for a second, the two towers, there's this scene where uh, Gandalf and Aragorn, who are two main characters. And if you don't know what any of this means, just ignore it and come back to me in a minute. They are in Rohan with King Theoden. And King Theoden is sitting on his throne and Aragorn comes to him. And what he says to him is like, listen, it is time. Both of them are trying to convince King Theoden to stand up To the gathering army of Saruman, this army that is collecting, and they plead with him ride out, meet him, fight back, go into battle. And King Theoden pauses, oblivious in this moment to what's really happening around him in Middle earth, and he says to them, I will not risk open war. This is when Aragorn turns to him and says, Open war is upon you, whether you would risk it or not. Here's the truth. It doesn't matter today whether you believe this stuff or not. According to the Bible right now, open war is upon you, whether you like it or not. Whether you want to take this risk or not. But the battle cry for Christians is very different because we are invited by God into the battle that he's already won and saying, will you step into victory with me? But there is a war for your soul. Will you come with me and continue to shift the balance of my kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven? And that's why in, in verses 10 and 11, Paul writes, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you could take your stand against what? The devil's devil schemes. And, and pay attention to that word there, schemes. The devil has a strategy. He has a plan. Remember, just by virtue of apprenticing and following and trusting in Jesus, you're in the enemy's crosshairs. And, and, and that means... That just like we like to paint the Hobby Lobby, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, God has a plan for my life and stick it over everything. If God has a plan for your life, why would his enemy not have a plan for your destruction? Right, You can't just put a banner up saying his plan is great, I'll walk in that on Sunday. I think there's a part of us that whether you like this or not, you know it's true. You know it's true because how many times do we begin to pray that God would send his angels to protect us, to protect our marriages, to protect our kids as they go? Um, I know for some of you, your kids have gotten licenses recently. You've prayed harder in this season than ever, haven't you? Amen. I hear that. Amen. Yes. I know, right? You're like, they're in the car. Lord, would you send your angels to protect the car? Has anybody else ever prayed this besides me? Lord, send your angels to protect. Now, listen, come on. If we're praying for angels to protect and for God to send his angels to protect, what are they protecting us from? Just a stupid driver on the road? And If these prayers... If we genuinely mean these prayers, and they're not just empty words and requests that we pray like a superstition before we drive, if we genuinely mean this, then if there are angels we're asking God to send, why would there not be demons that are at war for us? Whether you choose to believe this or not, open war is upon you. It is. And the enemy, let me tell you, he watches us. He studies each of us. He's looking for soft spots. He's probing for the weaknesses in the armor that we're wearing, and his attacks are specific. They're strategic, and they are never, ever, ever fair. They are never fair. In the Bible, he's referred to as Satan numerous times, but that's not his only name. He has a a multitude of names. One of his names is the accuser. This is one of his strategies, that that he tries to cripple followers of Jesus with condemnation, with guilt. He reminds you of that, that past mistake, that habit you can't break, and says, See, you'll never be able to break this. And he accuses us, and he brings us down with shame. You'll always be that way. You know, that's a lie from the enemy. But that's also another one of his names is he's the father of lies. No one lies better than Satan does. And, and he takes and he deceives us. Sometimes he gives us just enough truth. But just enough isn't truth, is it? It's still a lie. It's still a lie. And he takes this truth and then he tries to distort it so that our hearts begin to follow our flesh and what we want rather than what God wants And we manipulate God's word to say, well, it could mean this, but it doesn't, does it? No. He lies. One of his names is the tempter. He has this ability to pinpoint our passions, which are not bad. But he pinpoints them so that he can tempt us to fulfill them in perverted ways that are not what God has designed for us. He sets up a customized plan and traps to trip each one of us up to create distance, more distance between you, between God. And today, let me tell you that if you were feeling far from God, if you're feeling insecure in his love and grace and you can't get past that secret stuff that's eating you up, maybe you just feel down, weighed down every day by anxiety, by fear, by by these condemning thoughts that come your way and you're always discouraged, none of that is random. It's not this is all part of Satan's schemes. To keep us limping along or disabled in our life. That his plan is to cut us off from the tremendous, tremendous love and forgiveness and redemption that's available in Christ. And this is why I'm dead serious when I say that the Christian life is not a playground. It is a battleground. And when I say battle, I I think you know what I mean, so I will just make sure that this is not a battle in the physical way. I mean, most of you know, like, Jimmy's talking all this war talk. He's like a pacifist. Yeah, physically, absolutely. I'm there. But listen, not in the physical world. That's not where our battle is. It is in the spiritual world. Verse 12 says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the what? The spiritual forces of evil. What is our, our battle against? Read that with me. The spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. And that Greek word struggle, that's, that's highlighted there. Or that word in the Greek is, is pale, pale, which means to wrestle. I would love for you to have in your mind this idea of two people locked in a wrestling match. And for those of you who are a little older, I think Hulk Hogan and Rowdy Roddy Piper locking it in. You know what I'm saying? I see some of you back there. If you don't know who that is, you need to get into some WWF back in the day. Um, That's what it was really called. So just so you know. Listen, the goal of this struggle that we are in is so that one would pin the other. That one would have victory over the other. And I have a feeling that there is a room full of wrestlers here today. That you've been wrestling this last season. Right now, can you think in your mind, who, who's that person that you're just you're so frustrated with? That person that you are wrestling with every time you're around. Who's causing those kinds of issues right now? What's the most pressing problem that you're wrestling with? What's that issue that you wrestle with every night that keeps you turning? What's the overwhelming circumstances that are, you are dealing with? Like Maybe it's that conflict at work and your family, that, that health issue that you're wrestling through and don't know where the victory is, that debt, right? You know that is, other they're winning. What are you wrestling with? You have that in your mind? Listen, the truth is, whoever or whatever that is, this isn't your real problem. Sure, it's frustrating and it is a problem. It is there, but it's not the real problem. You see, people and problems that we experience with our five senses, they aren't the real issue because Paul says it to us. Our struggle is not what? Against flesh and blood even though you've got these wrestling matches with someone at work, at home, at school. They're not your real enemy. Let me say that again. They're not your real enemy. You may think that they're your enemy, but that's part of Satan's strategy for us. He tricks us into attacking flesh and blood people thinking that they're the problem. We attack husbands in a home to say, You're never around. You don't do this. If you did that, we attack our wives saying, if you would just do these things or not do those things, it would be better. We attack our kids. If you would just. When they're older, it'll all be better. We attack our coworkers and we blame them for things or our bosses and how unfair they are. We attack the trolls online, even though they're not in the physical world. For some reason, they get physical attention from us, don't they? We pound away on a keyboard if someone will never see. But the reality is, look at this, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Everything happening in the visible, physical world has a source to a deeper wrestling match being waged in the unseen spiritual realm. Are you with me? Okay, I could see some kind of like, wait, what? Um, let, let, me, let me try to explain it to you this way. Uh, <laughs> Will's, can I share a story? Okay. Um, so Will and I get the privilege of traveling a decent amount together. And recently we were traveling and we shared a hotel room. And as we were checking in, um, you know, I, I went to check in. The guy who was bringing us to our room, he handed me a remote. And the remote, uh, it wasn't for the TV, it was for the lights. And I'm like, who's a remote for the lights in a hotel room? Just flick it, right? And so I was like, all right, whatever. So I put it in my pocket, and like a great friend, of course I never tell him about it, right? Um, so after, you know, a, a restless night of sleep the first night, and then a, an unbelievably busy travel day where there's so much going on, we come back to the hotel room, and I see this remote, so I do what any good friend would do. As Pastor Will gets ready for bed and jumps into his bed and starts writing and reading, I jump into mine and keep the remote under the covers and slowly begin to flicker lights in our room. Why? Because that's what a good friend does. And at one point, Pastor Will got kind of like, what? And what started as an annoyance began to be a concern Jimmy, are you seeing these lights? Yeah, what is it? I don't know. What is that? And the moment he did that, I had figured out which lamp that was. And would you believe? That lamp went on. And his eyes lit up and went, (gasps) And he's like, did you see that? And when he went this, would you believe that lamp went on? What's happening? That lamp went off. I'm sorry. I did this for 20 minutes. For 20 minutes, I had Pastor Will convinced that either a demon was in our room messing with us, or that he had somehow gained magical powers to turn on and off lights. I did tell you to pray. You did, you did. You would you pray, pray, Jimmy, pray. I'm like, you're a pastor too. You know, like, and and, and I feel bad because. My stomach hurts so hard from laughing, and he thinks I'm a horrible person because I'm laughing and not taking it seriously. But what it is is the issue wasn't the lights, was it? That was never his problem. Underneath the covers in the bed next to him was a horrible man and friend (laughs) with a hidden remote causing all of these issues. And I think that most of us spend all of our time focusing and distracted by the lights that are going on and off in our life. They're going on and off in our marriage and in our career with our friends and in our finances. But if we never deal with the enemy who's holding the remote, we will never get control of the root issue that we are trying to deal with in our life. And yes, I realize that by telling that story, it makes me the devil in the story. (laughs) This series, this series is all uh, not about freaking everybody out, but it's about pulling back the covers to see that the issue is not the issue. It's not the lights. It's about understanding and pointing out, I know who's holding that remote. So many people feel pinned down by this anxiety, these, this comparison trap that we get into, the anger, the fear, the insecurity. You know what you struggle with, and those problems are real, but they are surface issues and symptoms to a source of spiritual oppression from the devil himself. And what I have found is this, that when it comes to dealing with Satan, when it comes to dealing with the devil, most disciples of Jesus tend to make two very big um, mistakes. The first is that we overestimate his impact in our life. I'm late for school. I'm late for work. I can't believe I'm late again. The devil has it out for me. I can't believe this many people leave for work at this time. I can't believe I missed the bus and it slipped through my lord. The enemy must have turned it off and no 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 no. You didn't turn it on. You stayed up till two AM flying through TikTok for how long to watch things that didn't matter. You had to stay up to watch the end of a game that you had no control over. That that's why you're late. That's why you missed it. This isn't the enemy. Every sneeze, every sniffle is not a satanic attack. Don't over-spiritualize these things. It's not the devil's fault. There's not a devil under every rock. But he is under some. He is under some, which is the second mistake that most Christians make, is that it was, we underestimate his impact in our life. And it's easy to dismiss the devil as just an idea, as a figment of our imagination. We, we, we treat him like the boogeyman. In 1864, there was a French writer um, named Charles, and I'm going to butcher his last name, but it's like a uh, Boudier or a you know. It's, there's extra letters in there that don't matter. <laughs> <sighs> he actually wrote a short story called The Generous Gambler, and there's a phrase in that story that you would have never heard if it weren't for a character in a 1995 movie called The Usual Suspects. Verbal Kint says this as he's being interviewed. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. I think our 19th century French author was way ahead of his time and understood more about our time because... I believe that we have intellectualized away Satan, that we've reduced him to a nothing, an idea, when the fact is he is a dangerous enemy who his speciality is to harass, to intimidate, and to bully believers at vulnerable moments in their lives. And this series is about pulling back that cover and saying, I see you and i'm watching you and i'm tired of you flicking the lights i'm tired of you messing with my life your schemes your tactics all of these things that you've been doing the time is now for that to stop i'm putting on my armor it's time to fight back not by my power but by the power of the living god amen paul says listen do not be afraid do not be afraid but you need to be on guard don't underestimate the enemy don't overestimate the enemy he has influence in this world and influence in our lives but do not despair because while the enemy is absolutely out to steal kill and destroy he is no match for the resurrection power of Jesus Christ he's not and it's important for you to say this if you're writing things down you write this down because satan is god's enemy he is not his equal don't give him too much credit he's finite being with limitations He's not a peer to God. He's not a counterpart to God. He's not the yin to God's yang. They are not equal. They have never been equal to Jesus Christ. There is no equal. We got to stop treating him like he's an equal. Only God is omniscient, meaning that that he is all-knowing. The devil cannot read your mind. Only our God is omnipotent, meaning that he is all-powerful. He has the capacity to work miracles. The enemy cannot do that. He only counterfeits and copies what he's seen God already do. Listen. As Christians, we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And we are called to step into the full riches, the blessings, and the armory of heaven. And this series is about exposing our enemy together. Declaring victory because of Jesus on the cross who has already won. Listen, Satan is going to be persistent, but he's a punk. You and I have the power over him because God does not send us defenseless into our fight. And that's why he gives us this gear. And Paul's final command to this church, and we'll close with this. He says, and pray in the spirit and on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on what? Praying for all the Lord's people. And if you look in that verse, Paul has mentioned three times that we are called to prayer. And while there are six pieces of armor here, prayer is what activates the armor of God. When we commune with God, and we pray, we're asking him to put this on us, to take us into battle and to prepare for us. And when he calls us into prayer, this prayer is not alone. This prayer is pray with God's people. And hear me, this series is meant to be journeyed through with each other. If you come on just Sunday mornings and that's it, and you're just gonna be here, that, you're missing out on a huge piece of this. You will get something, I promise you. But it will not be the fullness of this series that you could get. For the early Christians it was unthinkable to go into battle alone. Every time they stepped out into their culture into their world, they would be surrounded with their brothers and sisters because it was hostile. Please don't make this a series you do alone. Let's walk into this together. Because I know the truth is there's times that I forget this sort of the spirit. And I am so thankful for brothers and sisters who know the word, who say, Jimmy, remember the weapon you're holding. And when my arms are too tired to hold up a shield in defense, I have them next to me holding and behind me watching. And when they get tired, I step in. You see, you cannot do this alone and I cannot do this alone. We need each other. So once again, let's follow the example of our Savior who surrounded himself with 12 guys. It's his squad, his comrades, his troop. Whether you like it or not, and whether you would risk it or not, war is upon you. Will you choose to sit where you are and let battle take you? Or will you join me in fighting back we get victory in Jesus and we do this together? Amen? Amen. Today, as we celebrate communion together, if you have communion, I would love for you to take that out. I'd love for you to have the picture of Jesus surrounded by his disciples. And if you don't have communion or you didn't get one, there is, um, Bill has the bucket right over here. You can just raise your hand and we'll make sure that you get one. Um, And as he sat at that table, what I love is that there is no doubt in my mind, no doubt, this was the most difficult night of Jesus Christ's earthly life. And what does he do that night? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who claimed victory for us all, invites his best friends into battle with him. At a table, he commands them to remember me. Never go into battle without me being on your brain. After dinner, he invites them to prayer because the battle that's coming is difficult in the physical and spiritual world. And when we celebrate communion, we celebrate with our brothers and sisters fighting alongside us. Amen? We celebrate how Jesus claimed a victory that we could never claim for ourselves. Amen? We celebrate with the bread and the cup the night that Jesus won the battle for us. I know that the enemy thought he won that night. I know that the moment Jesus died, I I imagine him going, gotcha, I won it. Yeah, you won that battle. Oh, the war's a different story. And on the third day when Jesus rose, we remember not a defeated Savior, but today we remember a risen Savior. So would you stand with me? And I, I love how Brett led us last week in celebration And so today, would you break the bread with me in remembrance of Christ's body broken for us? And as an act of war and celebration, man, you can't watch a war movie where they don't cheer together and scream together. You know what I mean? When they're going into war, they're doing it. This isn't in my notes, but we're doing it. Would you, as loud as you can, on the count of three, as a celebration and remembrance, as loud as you can, just say thank you, Jesus. You ready? And if you're like, oh, that's kind of weird, I don't know, yeah, go into war limping, have fun. We do this together as celebrating, amen? amen. Thank you, Jesus, on three. One, two, three. Thank, thank you, Jesus! That's kind of weak for most of you. I've heard you at games and concerts. You're being safe with each other. We're not safe, we're at war. You Ready? One, two, three. Thank you, Jesus. We celebrate you, Jesus, that you have not said, "Go to war, but you've led us into war." So we fight back today, not on our own power, but through yours, not in our own victory, but through yours. We celebrate your body, your blood, together, that you are victorious. And as we fight this week. We fight in your name, and as we fail this week, we receive your hand of forgiveness to raise us up and the arms of our brothers and sisters to lift us to battle again. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's eat and drink together. Today, may you go in the victory of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, diving into Ephesians 6 and putting on every piece of armor so that when the enemy schemes and plans for you, the soft spots are minimal, and this week your victory is great. In Jesus' name, amen. See you guys next week for our belt of truth. Lord, protect me today. Let me be an example. Let me be a leader. Bless me with your righteousness. Let them see you in me. God, I need you right now. Help me out of this mess. Help me take a stand against the devil. Help me stand my ground. Please lead me away from this temptation. Deliver me from this evil. I could have died. Thank you for watching out for me. My life is in your hands. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. Jesus, your word says, I can have whatever I pray in your name. Your word says, the power that raised you from the dead lives in me. Heal me, God. Save me from the grip of death. I have faith that your mighty hand can move this mountain. Your servant is ready for battle. With Christ, we have the victory.